oration this morning that this church stands on the Word of God. And for the new year, we're going to stand on the Word. Now, at the end of last year, I don't know if you remember, and some of you received my video that I sent out to the church, the three scripture verses for 2023. And I've given to them here. I've given it to you. And there's a, there's a reason for that. I want you to take this home. I want you to open up your Bibles. I want you to underline these scripture verses. I want you to learn them like a parrot. I want you to make it your own. Because, brothers and sisters, we're going to need the Word of God more than ever this year. So I just want to go over them for you quickly. Just, just read them to you. And this is what, you know, some people, some churches has got a vision. Who knows those churches who's got a vision? Oh, we've got a vision. We've got a vision. And this is what we're going to do. This church hasn't got a vision, but I've got the Word of God. And this is the Word of God for 2023. And this, you know, we don't know what's coming this year. But if we stand on the Word of God, we will be in a safe place. Amen? So the first one there is our focus this year is on Mark 13, 33. Now you would have noticed I've changed from Matthew to Mark, and there's a reason. This is what it says. Take heed, watch and pray. Everybody say watch and pray. This church this year needs to watch and pray more than ever before. Watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. What time is he talking about? The coming of our Lord. You don't know what that time is. I'm going to talk about that a lot today. Watch and pray. Learn this. It's an easy scripture to, to, to learn. Come next Sunday. Walk up to somebody in church and say, have you watched and prayed this week? Brothers and sisters, we need to keep each other accountable this year. Walk up to somebody next week and say, you know what? I've memorized the scripture verse. Let me tell you, Mark 13.33 says, Take it, watch and pray, for we do not know when the time is here. I want to call this church up. I'm calling you up today to make the scriptures your own. It's the best thing you can get. And then the second verse is Matthew 10.16. Behold, I sent you out as sheep. And in the midst of the wolves. Who knows that we are living amongst the wolves? Who knows that? If you don't know it yet, you are sleeping. And I want to wake you up. We are living amongst the sheep, uh, the wolves. We are like sheep amongst the wolves. They are out to destroy you. This year it's going to happen. But praise the Lord, we are not alone. We've got a scripture verse for that. But here is the, here is the great one. He says, therefore be wise. Everybody say be wise. Be wise as serpents and be harmless as doves. Next week when you walk in here, I want you to walk up to somebody and say, Last week, Vito, have you been wise? Have you been careful? Have you been peaceful like a dove? Let's lift the scriptures this year. Will we make a commitment? 1 Thessalonians 4.17 Verse 18 says, Therefore comfort one another with these words. I want to say to you, brothers and sisters, you can hold your views on that, but I absolutely believe the Lord is coming for the rapture of the church. I believe He's coming back for you and for me. I believe He's going to come. Something's going to happen. Whether you believe it or not, something's going to happen. And I know what's going to happen. And be ready. Now, I want to comfort you every single Sunday with these words, Therefore, look out into the sky for the returning of the Lord. Amen? Do you think that's wonderful? Learn these scriptures. Learn these scriptures. I'm going to come back next week and I'm going to say again, have you got these three scriptures? I want to stand on these verses this year.
We need to watch and pray. Brothers and sisters, we're faring. It's like a ship going in and we don't know what's ahead of us. Now, this is the first one, the second one on that page. Look at the reflections for 2023. I was contemplating and praying over this time of the break. I didn't just lie in the sun. I know I've got a great tan. You know, I don't look like a Russian anymore. A Russian white big fella. But I did. And you know what? I spent time talking to Leone about this and said, what is the three things we can take out of the preaching of last year? I honestly don't want to come here and preach just to waste my breath and for you to sit there. We need to take substance out of the preaching. Am I right or wrong? I was going to say I'm right anyway. <laughs> but here it is, brothers and sisters. If the preaching is not going to change you, you are wasting your time. You know me, I'm a straight shooter with these things. And I was contemplating, I was sitting there, I was driving while Leonie was sleeping, and these thoughts is going through my head, and I said, what is the three things that I asked this church last year in sermons that we can take as a reflection into 2023? And you cannot go wrong with these three things. First of all, Acts chapter 11 verse 23, we all know that we're studying through Acts, and this is it. When he came, he had seen the grace of God. He was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. Would you remember that I was standing right here in front and I said to this church, if people walk into this church, what do they need to see? The grace of God. That's a good reflection. Brothers and sisters, I want you to hold me to that. I want you to hold me to that and say, preacher, pastor, whatever you want to call me, I want to see the grace of God in you. But I'm also going to hold you as a church to that. If people, if and there will be strangers coming this year into this church, there will be new people coming in here. But as soon as they walk through these doors, I want them to see the grace of God amongst the people in this church. Is that a good thing to ask, Mark? That's a good thing to ask. Is that a tough thing to live out? It should not be a tough thing to live out. It should be part of your normal Christian life. To walk in the grace of God. Amen? And then the second reflection. You remember I've preached this. Acts chapter 4 verse 36. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement. I remember clearly, vividly, I was standing in front of all of you preaching through Acts. And I say to you these words, will you be in a Barnabas this year? Who remember that? I asked you, I looked you into your eyes, I said, would you this year be a Barnabas? Would you? Would you put up your hand this morning and say, Lord, I want to be a Barnabas. I want to encourage people. Look, it's so easy to break people down. You don't need a degree to break people down. You don't even need a skill set to break people down. But it takes a lot to encourage people. It takes a lot to come in alongside your brother and your sister and say, Hey brother, sister, dear, sir, madam, whatever you want to be called, I see you are struggling. Can I give you a lift with my shoulder? Can I give you a hand? Can I give you a word? This is what I want this church to be this year. Have you noticed? There's nothing pointing to me. I want you to keep me accountable, brothers and sisters. I want you to look at me, this pastor standing here, and say, are you an encouragement to this church? Keep me accountable, as I'm going to keep you accountable. Is that fair? So I'm asking you again, 
Will you be a Barnabas this year? Will you encourage people? And then the last reflection before we come to the word of the Lord. And I think it's only scriptures. Have you noticed? It's only scriptures. I don't ask anything for you. I, I'm not building people here. I'm not building church. I'm not trying to get people to fill these seats and, and to, to have a name or fame or nothing. I give you and I ask you this morning. Scriptures. Stand on the word of God. Then, then, another reflection which we're going to hold you, everybody on. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. And I remember... If you were in this church, I was standing right in front and I said to you, you shall receive power when the Spirit comes over you. Will you allow the Holy Spirit to work through you with His power? That is what I'm reflecting on. Because I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, this city, this world ain't seen nothing yet if this church is going to allow the Holy Spirit to work through you and to be witnesses to Him for the world. They ain't seen nothing yet. The dark clouds can gather as much as they want. The, the tongues, the attacks, the enemy, they can gather as much as they want. But if we stand in the power of God, in the Holy Spirit, nothing will prevail against the church. Nothing, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Christ. And not against you. You may, there's people in this room who this year may go through very difficult times. But then the church needs to be there to be an encourager. To say, brother, let me help you. Sister, let me pray for you. Let me take you for a coffee and sit down and listen just what you say. Not to try to be smart about and try to tell you, but just to listen. Will you spend your time, your precious time, to help somebody like that? That's what I'm asking. Do you think that's too much to ask? That is... From my heart to your heart this morning. In fact, that is from the word of God to your heart this morning. Six scripture verses. That's all I'm asking you to learn this year. But I don't want you just to learn him like a parrot. Walk in next week and say, hey pastor, can you just give me a minute? Blah, 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 blah. I've got all six. You have to live them. Turn to the person next to you and say, now he's talking to you. Amen. Amen. Brenda. Did you, you, did you want to say something? Amen. I'm going to pray and then we're going to go to the word of the Lord. But Brenda wants to say, do you want to say something? Yes, come. Come, my sister. There's no regulations here. This is how the spirit of the Lord works. Relace upon your heart to say something, say it. It's just the scriptures that you've been reading to us. I read that same scripture in the morning and while we were coming here and we were talking about that same first scripture, watch and pray. I, I, when you were talking, I just got overwhelmed in my heart. Amen. I just can't contain it. Let's pray about it. Let's pray about it. Praise the Lord. Marjorie, would you come up here and just let you answer my sister here, please. Amen. Heavenly Father, Oh, it's so precious, Lord. I thank you, Father, first of all, that you speak to us through your word. The Bible says in the times of past you spoke through prophets. And in these days you speak through your Son and the Holy Spirit. Father, we are a church. We're standing at the first service of your year. We don't want to play church, Lord. We want to be serious and real. 
We follow the real Jesus. And Father, my sister's heart is overflowing this morning, and we share with her. I thank you, Father, that she's overflowing with the joy of the Lord in her heart. And sharing that with us, I thank you, Lord, that you're showing the vulnerability, Father. We are a family here, Father. And if my sister, the joy of overflowing is flowing over her, it flows over us as well. So we worship you, Father. We praise you and we thank you. Father, we as a church want to hold on to these scriptures. Not as rights, not as little things we pick off, but Father, we want to lift them and make them real in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord, my sister. Amen. Well, that is a good intro, isn't it? To talk about the best, the rest of your life. The rest of your life. I want to talk to you today about that. And we find that this morning in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 2. And I want you to open up your Bible there. In 1 Peter chapter 4, and I'm going to talk to you about the rest of your life. You are sitting here today, you've made it into church on this Sunday, but what about tomorrow? What about next week? What about the rest of this year and what about the rest of your life? Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 1. The word says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin that he no longer should, and here we find our words, live the rest of his time in the flesh. Let's all read it together. Let's read this part together. All the old church, go with me. One, two, three. Live the rest of his time in the flesh. For the last of the men, but for the will of God. I want to talk to you about these words today. The rest of his time in the flesh. We don't know how much time we have. Do you? Who can stand up today and say, preacher, you are wrong. I know exactly how much time I have. Nobody sitting here, whether you are one year old or whether you are 70 years old. I made a big gap there, didn't I? Tried to cover everybody. Or 80 years old. Nobody knows if you've got still time left. In fact, if God looks upon this whole place right here in this room, He knows exactly how much time you and I have. He knows. He knows everything. But you and I do not know. We don't know. We don't know what the rest of your life is going to be. We don't know whether tomorrow is going to appear for you. I know that some of you may have made plans for next week. You may have made plans for February, March. But you sitting here today have got no, absolutely no security or confidence that that time will come. And I want the young people to listen to me because when I was also young, and when I, believe it or not, I was also young. But when you're young, you think you're going to live forever. But even you don't know what tomorrow brings. So, so the first thing I want to mention to you is we don't know how much time we have. But we know our past. Look at verse 3. He says, for we have spent enough of our past lifetime. Everybody say past lifetime. Doing the will of Gentiles. Now we all know our past, don't we? We've got the memories. We've got the photos. We've got Facebook. We've got Twitter. What is all of these other things? 
I mean, I can scroll back on Facebook going back five years and I look at a photo and I go, yeah, I remember that. Oh, yes, I remember that. And we've got all those memories. So that we have. We have the past. But we don't have the future. We don't know how much time we have. And this is what he says, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh. He talks about somebody living the rest of his time. But we don't know how much time that's going to be. But we know how much time we have lived. Now some people, unfortunately, live their lives in the past. Do you know people like that? Oh, preacher, when I was 20 years old, you should have seen me run. I played rugby, man, and I could take that guy out. You should have seen me. And somebody said, the older you get, the better you was, isn't it? You know, the, it always becomes better the older you get. That dive that you gave, which was only a half-meter dive, all of a sudden becomes a two-meter dive. But you know what? That's the thing. A lot of people live in the past, the glories of the past. Man, I was so, and man, I was so, and it was so great, and I was so good. You just don't understand and know. And some people are still living there, how good they were. I always ask them, where are you today? How good are you today? Oh, I served the Lord. You should have seen us back in the day, man. We served the Lord. We prayed right through the night. We were singing songs. I was writing to the scriptures. That's all in the past. What about today? You see, a lot of people live in the past. But we are not supposed to live in the past. Not only that, there are still people who were hurt. Listen to me. They were hurt in the past. And they still live with that hurt today. I've had a lady in New Zealand, I think I told you. She came to me once and she started telling me this really sad story. And she was so emotional about it. And she, was so, she talked to me about this and I felt sorry for her. And as we walked along the beach, he was telling us every single detail. And I asked her, I said, how long ago did this happen? And she said, 10 years ago. There's somebody still living in the past. I want to ask you this morning, where are you today? Did somebody do you in and you are still living there? Are you still telling that same old story over and over and over and over again with all the fine detail as a child of God? You don't know how they gossiped about me. You don't know what they said about me. And they had no right to do that. You see, there's people sitting here today or people hearing me online today who are living in the past, whether for the good or whether for the bad. But this is not what the, the Bible says today. He says that he should no longer lift the rest. What tense is that rest? Where is that pointing to? To the future. He's pointing to tomorrow. But now I'm telling you that we don't know how much time we have. We don't know. So the question then is, how are you going to live the rest of your time? I want you to think for a few moments about that. I ask you straightforward a question today. I'm not asking the person next to you. You know where you came from. I'm asking you today, how are you going to live the rest of your life? Think about that. And then I'm going to ask you, how are you going to live this year, 2023? Because each one in this place has got a decision to make. This is a decision you make. How are you going to live your life? Oh, but they told me to do this. Oh, but I couldn't help it. I just fell into that. No, 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 no. Every single thing in life is a decision. Listen to me, young people. Everything you're going to decide today at your young 
tender age is going to influence your future. Ask the adults. Can the adults just shake their heads? Listen, adults. Those who shake their heads. Every single thing you do today is going to influence your future. Can the young people shake their heads? You see, how are we going to live the rest of our time? And we don't know how much time we've got. But praise the Lord. Peter gives us a few ideas how to live our lives. And I'm going to quickly cover them for you. He gives us a few ideas. In verse 1 he says, Therefore since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself also with the same mind. Everybody say arm. He says, arm yourselves with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. The word here for arm is a really interesting word. It's a military word, this word here. It's a military word. It means to arm yourself with weapons. If I use that in Greek, I tell people this word, I say to them, hop lizo, in their minds, in a Greek's mind, it goes, I need to find a weapon, I need to militarize myself, I need to have something to defend myself. It talks that, that's the word there. It's saying, let your mind become militant. This is what he's saying. Arm your mind. Arm your mind. Make your mind militant. Let your mind fight a war. This is what Peter say. This thing here. He says not take up physical weapons. We're not going to attack the government. Dan Andrews, you are safe. We're not going to shoot you. You're safe, buddy. No, no. We're going to arm our minds. This here is the biggest weapon you and I have got. Is our minds. This is why Satan is after your mind. He wants to control your mind. Peter says, no, 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 no. You need to arm. You need to militarize your mind. You may need to make your mind militant, but not to fight others. What do you need to make it militant against? You need to make it militant against sin. He says, for Christ suffered for us. He says there in verse 3, for we have spent enough, enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. He says, militarize your mind against these things. Make your mind at war with these things. So the first thing that he says to us, the first thing how we should live our life, we need to have a militant attitude towards sin. That's what we need to have. Not just she'll be all right, mate. You need to actively get your mind weapons and militarize it against sin. And this church will still preach sin, I'll tell you that. Sin is still sin. It's not a sickness. It's not a problem. Oh, he's just got a problem. No, no. He's got a sin. And that sin needs a pill. Not a pill the doctor gives. It needs the gospel. And here it is, the first thing we need to live in 2023 that I'm calling upon myself, upon you, is to make your mind militant against sin. Sin loves to hang out at these places, drinking parties, revelries, lust, lewdness, drunkenness, and these idolatries. That's where sin hangs around. So you need to start making your mind militant against those things. You need to actively decide against those things. 
It's not me saying it. It's the word of God. Is that clear? He says it there in verse 3, verse 1. He says, think how Christ has suffered for your sins. You say, how am I going to make my mind militant? When you think how Christ suffered for your sin. He says, therefore, since Christ suffered for us. How did he suffer? How did he suffer? You tell me. He was hanging on the cross. How did he look when he hanged on the cross? He was pulled apart. He was suffering. He was suffering for you and for me. For what? For our sin. Just as he suffered for us in the flesh, then he says, arm your mind. So the first thing that is going to do how, secondly, is we seek the will of God and not of Gentiles. Look at verse 2. He says in verse 2 there that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh and the lust of men, but the will of God. How are we going to militarize your mind? By following the will of God. Is that practical? I like Peter. He's a practical guy. He was a fisherman. He was a fisherman. And then also, how are we going to do it? Remember your past. Remember your past. And I can tell you stories out of my past. And you're saying, you're a pastor? Really? Was that you? I remember. I was at school. Also had friends amongst me. And when the Lord saved my soul... And the first time I appeared on stage, there was another guy who was in the same school as myself. And he said to the person next to him, he said, my, my nickname was Saki, okay? Saki. We, we can talk afterwards about it. And he goes, he goes, is that Saki up there? Really? I know my past. I know where I come from. How am I going to make my mind militant? I'm going to think about my past. Not to condemn me. Not to condemn me. But to help me to become militant against those things. So you remember your past. So the first thing we need to live the rest of your life. In fact, not just for the year. It's for the rest of your life. How are you going to live the rest? You don't know if you've got a year, brother, sister. You may have one week. How are you going to live this week? Are you going to have a militant attitude towards sin this, this week? Let's continue. Verse 4. He says, in regards to these... They think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation speaking evil of you. Isn't that true? You turn away from those sinful things and who do you lose? Your friends. Isn't it right? Your family. They go, wait a minute, but you did these things with us. Yes, but I don't do them anymore. I no longer do them. And you see, they think it's strange that you do not run with them anymore. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge. This is a terrible scripture. Because everyone sitting here will give an account, but these people as well, the living and the dead. For this reason the gospel was preached. Also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to the men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. So what is the second thing Peter brings out for us to live the rest of our lives? Don't condemn the lost but preach the gospel to them. You think that's neat? Don't condemn the lost. Remember, brother and sister, you were also lost once. This is what he says before. He says, you walked like the will of the Gentiles. Now walk in the will of God. And you may sit here today and say, oh, look at all those lost people driving. Oh, you all are, you all are going to the hell. You go to that fiery place. No, no, don't condemn them. What do you do? You preach the gospel to them. This is what he say. The gospel was preached also to those who are dead. 
you were also dead. I was also dead. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. I love this verse. He says, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds, you see? What is that word? Everybody say that word again. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded. You were also blinded once. I was also blinded once. Who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. How is that light going to shine on them if you don't preach the gospel? I said to you last year, this church has decided we're going to reach out to the streets. Already my brother Oral and brother Glenn and brother Sean went out to the streets on the 7th. And we're going to do it more this year. We're going to reach out to the lost. We don't condemn the lost. I'm telling you now, and if you disagree with me, praise the Lord, bless your heart. But these doors are open for sinners. It's open. You say, but wait a minute. That person is so horrible sinner, you're going to allow him to come and sit in these chairs. What is these chairs made for? What did Jesus come to do in this world? You tell me. He came to save sinners. That's what he came to do. You say, I'm, I can't bring this friend of work to church because he's a rough diamond. Bring him to church. This is the place for him. Now, now let me tell you, when he's going to come in, come in here, I'm not going to trickle his ears and tell him how good he is. I'm going to tell him he's a sinner and he needs a savior. We do not condemn, and this year and the rest of our life, this is for you and for me, we need to preach the gospel. 1 Peter chapter 3, 15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that is in you. With meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that when they def the defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. Preach the gospel. Amen? Two things, two things there already, Peter says to us. Look at verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Who knows that? Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. My sister Brenda, there it is again. It's a repeat, isn't it? Be watchful in your prayers. So what is the third thing Peter gives us good advice? He says, be expectant for the coming of the Lord. Are you expectant for the coming of the Lord? Now, he says, how are you going to live the rest of your life? I'm going to continue living next week, next month, next year, expectant for the coming of the Lord. Because, brothers and sisters, whether you like it or not, He is coming. He's coming soon and very soon. These things are going to be burned up. The darkness is coming upon this place like never before, but out of the darkness shines the marvelous light. Romans 13 verse 12, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. What day is that? It's the day of the Lord, isn't it? He says the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry, drunkenness, not in the lewdness of lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. How are we expecting the Lord? We put off this stuff and we look up into heaven and we say, Lord, the night is fast spent. The end of all things is at hand. Be, therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. What are we watching for in your prayers? For the coming of the Lord. 
the coming of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, I told you there's things happening in the world. Next week, there's people gathering, I think it's in Switzerland. There's already two cities which they're going to change into 15-minute cities. I don't know if you've heard about this. But these 15-minute cities is that you will only be allowed to go out your house and, and go 15 minutes in a circle. And if you, cross that, 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 if you cross that circle out, they will fine you. Is that sounding familiar, COVID? And the fines will be really big. And you will only have a hundred times that you can go out of that 15-minute zone. But if you cross more than a hundred times, they will fine you. Brothers and sisters, it's coming. The, the, the end is here. But look up with a smile into heaven and say, His coming is at hand. Let me continue on. Verse 8. And above all things, above all things, Peter say, now that we're going to preach the gospel, we're looking for the coming of the Lord. What was the first one? What was the first one? Have a militant attitude against sin. Now that we have these three things, what does he say? He says, above all of these things, have fervent love for one another, for the love will cover a multitude of sins. Be so hospitable to one another without grumbling. My brother Mark, the word that I was woke up three o'clock this morning, it came to me right now, brother. It's this word. The word fervent. You see that word there? The word fervent means it's not just, yeah, buddy, I love you. It is an action. He says to you and me, what is the fourth thing that we can live the rest of our life? Have fervent love for the saints. We need to have this love amongst us. Brothers and sisters, I ask you, if people walk into this place, they need to see the grace of God. How do they see the grace of God first? There must be love amongst us. There must be love amongst us. Look at this. He says, cover a multitude of sins. You see this? That word there for sin, by the way, is harmatia. That's a serious sin. He says we need to cover these sins. We're not hiding them. We're addressing them. But he says you don't hold the sins against each other. In other words, hey, brother, I saw what you did, and how dare you do this, and now I'm going to break fellowship with you. Now we're not going to talk to each other. That's not what he says. Fervent love says, I know what you've done to me. I'm going to forgive you now if you can forgive me. It's going to take something from you. That's what fervent means. You know, it's easy for me to say if you come to me and say, can you give me a dollar? And I've got $5 in my pocket. It's easy for me to take a dollar out and go, yeah, that's fine. Why? Because I have. But if you come to me and you say, can you give me a dollar? And I've only got 50 cents in my pocket. I'm going to say, no, I want to buy my own lunch. It's going to take an effort to go and get another 50 cents to give it to you. This word means you go the extra mile to get the extra 50 cents to give it to somebody else. Are you going to live the rest of your life like this? I like this man's quote. You know, I'm not big for quotes, but this was good. I want you to listen attentively. And there's a lot of people online who need to hear this. Where life abounds in a fellowship of Christians, many small offenses and even some large ones are readily overlooked and forgotten. Is that right? When love abounds, somebody does something against you, you say, brother, that's okay, let's pray about it. He said he's sorry. I'm saying, I'm, please forgive me, forgiveness happens. But now he says, but where love is lacking, 
Every word is viewed with suspicion. Every action is liable to misunderstanding and conflicts about Satan's perverse delight. I, this is true. So true, isn't it? This is why I ask this church, let grace be found amongst us. If somebody does something, if this year somebody says something to you which you find offensive, do me a favor. Listen to me clearly. Don't run to the pastor first of all. Go to that person. Pull them aside. And both in the grace said, look, what you just said hurt me really. I know, I don't know why that came from and where it came from, but it really hurts me. And if you are the person who said that and you understand that, will you, will you in humility say, will you please forgive me, I'm sorry, this is what I've meant. Will you do that? And then both of you come to the pastor. And we pray and rejoice in the Lord. Amen? That is what we do, brothers and sisters. He says all things with love. We need to be hospitable. This word hospital is a wonderful word. It means welcoming. It means friendly. It means to be open to people. It means to be generous. It means to be kind. It means to be sociable. That's what it means. Will you live the rest of your life like that? And then we come to the last one this morning. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10. As each one of you has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as of the oracles of God. If anyone minister, let him do as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And what does Peter say? What is the fourth thing that we need to live the rest of our lives? He says, be ready to operate in your gift and glorify God. This church is full of gifts. Brothers and sisters, you've heard me say this before. You look at me and say, you're the pastor, you need to do all things. No, no, no. I believe in body work. This is why we get brothers now sharing the table. This is why we've got you know, people playing. I would love to play guitar, but it's not my gift, but people are playing them. Have you seen I started playing the harmonica a little bit? That's not a gift. That's just, you know, trying something, you know. <laughs> but I laughed. And, and you know what is so wonderful? You've accepted it. <laughs> and Mark, <laughs> that amazes me, honestly. And you all accepted it. And you know what? You all became encouragers. Fabian was the first one. Hey, Pastor, you need to play it more. Encouraging. I feel the grace. I can see the grace. Honestly, if you accept me playing the harmonica, that is grace for you. <laughs> Thank you, my sisters. I am. We all need to have an open learning heart. But you see, be operate your gift and glorify God. You see, we need to minister to one another. Use your gifts to minister. We want to be a ministering church this year. Speak the oracles of God. This is important to me. The oracles of God is the Word of God. But you need to know the Word to be able to speak the Word. You need to be able to do that. And then... Give glory to God. So remember when I said, how are you going to live the rest of your life? There's five things there which you can take. Go read them this afternoon. Open up your Bible in 1 Peter chapter 4. In fact, when you take your Bible like this, after a month, when you take your Bible like this and you let it open, fall open, it needs to fall open in that place. 
That's how many times you need to spend there. If, if I come to you for a coffee, you say, Pastor, I want to show you something. Come and have a look. You see, that first sermon really encouraged me so much. Take my Bible, let it drop, boop, and it opens up and go, oh, it's 1 Peter chapter 4. And we, you know why, Pastor? Because I want to live the way that he wants me to live. Is that, your, is, is that what you are today? I want to live the rest of my life the way that he wants me to live. I want to be the rest of my life a militant attitude against sin. I want to sin no more because the Lord wants to use you, brother and sister, and your sin is sitting there and holding you back. I'm going to preach about that next week. Be here. Next week, I'm going to preach about the halfway house, okay? Because I believe there's a lot of people, even in this place, who's sitting at the halfway house. God wants them at a place, but they are not there yet because of things happening. I nearly started preaching that sermon on all back. But here we go. So here is the thing brothers and sisters we need to become militant against sin we need to preach the gospel this is how i want to live the rest of my life i want to be hospitable towards you is that the rest of your life do you want to put up your hand and say lord that's me this year i've given you a lot of scriptures this year i've given you a lot of homework didn't i but i believe honestly the lord this year this year wants to use this church to reach out to the world that's just what I believe in my heart. I may be wrong, I'm not a prophet. But I can sense over my experience the working of the Lord and He's working here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you this morning, Lord, for your word. Father, if this is the first word for 2023 for this church, it's a very encouraging word. And Father, I want to sign up for that. In fact, Lord, I don't want to sign up. I know I'm already born into your body and I need to live like that. But, Father, this year I want to ask you, Lord, to help us. Help us as a church, Father. No doubt I understand, Lord, attacks will come against this church. Help us then to walk in wisdom and look through this, Father, and apply these principles because we do not know how much time we've got left. Father, one day the opportunities is going to stop, the invitations is going to stop, the conversations is going to stop, and it's going to be time over. But before that happens, Father, we want to live the best way that you want us to live. And if that's you this morning, say amen. Praise the Lord. Thank the Lord. We're going to sing a song and take up the offering this morning.